Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast. Welcome to book club number 39, and we are going to wrap up Don Yeager's Great Teams, and we're going to go through Pillar 4 here today. And this is the, uh, in my opinion, this is the real sweet spot of the book. This is the stuff that you go through Pillars 1, 2, and 3 to get to Pillar 4, which is the stuff that probably overall this pillar touched me the most that really, really applied to our world as coaches. This pillar, Jaeger calls mutual direction, taking our teams and moving them all in the same direction at the same time. So, underneath this pillar, the first thing here is improvement through scouting. Now, of course, we as coaches, scouting is a major, major part of our jobs. You need to continually, as Jaeger says, you need to continually be keenly aware of your team's potentials and limitations and studying the performances and analytics and tendencies tendencies of our opponents. For example, Peyton Manning, Bill Belichick, constantly pop quizzing their players and their teammates uh, all the time. Successful coaches or managers have learned the value of utilizing an outside opinion to give them a fresh look at their personnel. This is something I've done a couple of times over the years. I try to find somebody who is not associated with our program to come in and watch us practice or evaluate a game film and say, hey, what are you seeing? What are things that we need to, am I missing something along the way here? I think that's a great, great idea for you to do. Amazon, amazon amazon.com. They use the concept, and some of you may have heard of this before, SWAT stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are the opportunities that we have to expand our market? And what are the threats to our market? So to really scout others, you really need to understand yourself as well. What do we have? What do they have? What do we need to do to attack their weaknesses? And what do we need to do to minimize our weaknesses against their strengths? So continue to scout, continue to put together a plan that is going to do, give your team the best opportunity you possibly can to achieve their goals. Second thing under this pillar here, mutual direction. Great teams see values that others miss. A great example of this in basketball, the 2000s Detroit Pistons. This is where we go from about 2003 to 2009. Kind of that uh, island of misfit toys in a lot of people's eyes. But those guys fit together with Chauncey Billups, Billups, Rip Hamilton, the Wallaces, Rashid and Ben, Tayshawn Prince. Those Most of those guys were cast off for various reasons from other places, yet they came together and made this world championship team. Another great example of this is Billy Bean and what we call in baseball, Moneyball. If you've never seen that movie, I highly encourage you to go check it out. If you've never read the book, go read the book. One of the best things that came from this this whole book, probably my favorite two pages in the entire book, and I'm going to kind of go into a little bit more detail with this because I thought it was such an awesome idea. Maybe some of you have heard of this already. Bob Ladoker, and I hope I'm saying that right. I'm probably not. Uh, he was the head football coach at De La Salle High School out in California. They had a streak of 12 years in which they went undefeated, and one of their keys to their success was these commitment cards. 
So I'm going to read to you two portions of, of this here, and I apologize for reading it straight out, but I think it's really important that I read it so that everybody understands it. The idea of the commitment card here. So each week during his tenure, Ladoquer, excuse me again for mispronouncing that, would pair up his players and have them write down their conditioning, practice, and game goals on cards and have them recite them to their commitment partners. The goals have to be specific and measurable so that the team could evaluate as a whole whether or not each member had delivered on his commitment. Players who failed to live up to their commitments would have to explain to the team why they were not successful. Okay, Great idea. Tough idea. You have to be really, really consistent with that idea. You have to have some pretty mature kids in order to follow through with that idea. But it is a great idea to hold accountability within your program. And if your kids can handle it the right way or if you can adopt that uh, to your program the correct way that fits your kids in your situation, it's a tremendous idea. Here's the quote here uh, from Coach Ledoquier. The idea behind the commitment cards was that I wanted my players to be responsible to each other and understand that their contributions impact the team as a whole. One or two players not pulling their weight can bring the whole team down. We really didn't care about visual acknowledgments of achievement because it was secondary to the humility and commitment of personal excellence that our team stood for. I think the voice of a peer has more power than any authority figure or coach. And when our players started challenging each other to be better, the discipline and character of our team grew stronger. So commitment cards. And again, I thought the whole book might have been worth those two pages that I read there about the commitment cards. All right. So so maybe that's something that you consider for your program. I know it's something that I'm considering or, or adopting in some way, shape or form for my program this coming season. Statistics. Use statistics to help you be reliable and be consistent and to find value. Third thing under this pillar, you win in critical situations. You learn how to finish what we call in basketball special situations. And special situations can happen from the opening tip to the very, very last play. I'm recording this on Thursday, no, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. Going to be dropping this Thursday morning. Just last night, the Phoenix Suns win on the Diali Oop or the Aiton Oop or whatever you want to call it. 0.8, 0.9 seconds left, and they finish the play with the slam dunk there. Kurt Schilling in 2004 with the Boston Red Sox. Why not us? And you finish those things out. It is said here in the book here, here's five keys that an organization will need to prepare for in order to win critical situations. First of all, you need to practice them and condition for them, which you should be doing in your practices. Almost everybody listening to this is probably doing that. Prioritize special situations and winning critical situations. You need to evaluate your status and what are we doing, how are we doing, what can we do better, what can we do differently. You need to play to your strengths. Where do you want the ball? Where do you want the ball at? Who do you want the ball with in certain situations? And then you create and celebrate many goals. Sometimes those goals are not necessarily met in a traditional way. For example, we're all gonna. If you do this job long enough, you're gonna get your butt kicked, or you're gonna kick somebody's butt at some point during your journey as a coach. And one thing I've learned is to use the entirety of every situation. You frame it in this way. Let's say you're up or you're down. You tell your team at a dead ball or at a timeout, hey. Don't worry about the scoreboard. I want you to play every defensive possession like we're up one point, and you've got to win that possession. I want you to play every offensive possession like we're down one point, and we have to score. And that puts the emphasis on the here and the now. And if you're getting beat, 
and you're getting beat badly, you're in this blowout situation. Okay, here's our mini goal. We're, we're up one, and we need to get a stop. We got a stop. Let's celebrate that stop. Okay, now let's go down, and let's we're down one. Oh, we got a score. Let's celebrate that. Let's continue to finish things off. And I think those are little ways that you can create and celebrate miniature goals and so that as your team improves, as you get better, as you get into those situations, uh, maybe, you know, you're in a situation where you have a really, really good team and you're not playing very many close games. This is a way during competitions to imagine yourself being in those tough, close games that eventually you're probably going to hit at some point. Another topic under this pillar, great teams speak a different language. Great teams have mastered the value of framing communication. And Pete Carroll, here's a great quote from Pete Carroll here. As a leader, you have to be precise with your language. So we try to be real specific with our language and knowing the power of talk, the positive, positives and negatives of self-talk as well. If you're unclear, they have unclear thoughts. So, Carol talks about players and, and players that make mistakes. And sometimes we come down on players that make mistakes. Think about it. Have you ever called an out-of-bounds play that you intended to not work? That you intentionally, you know, hey, I can't wait to call this play because I know it's going to fail miserably. Or I'm going to call this defense. Or I'm going to call this offense. Or whatever it may be. Absolutely not. I tell my players all the time. When I played and I was not very good. But if I got an open shot, I was not thinking, hey, I can't wait to brick the crap out of this thing. No, I wanted the shot go in. And if I blew a layup or if I blew a wide open shot, I, you know, it wasn't like I meant to do it. Everybody's going to make mistakes. That's the greatest opportunity to talk to your players, to teach them and, and not come down on them, but to teach them. It's really important every once in a while, flip the script on your players, have them speak first, especially during the summertime. And we do this a lot during the season. After a competition, I ask my players, first thing that comes up, all right, what'd you see? What'd you think? What's going on out there? They're not listening to my reaction. I'm interested to see what their perceptions are of what just happened during that play, during that game, during that camp, during that league game, so forth and so on. It's important to give your, and, it, and that gives your players ownership. Bob Clark, legendary rugby coach out at the University of California, Berkeley. Essentially, we call this bright spots and, and, and moving towards our players' strengths. I love what he says here. He said his program really took off, took off when he started focusing on his players' strengths instead of his players' weaknesses. Here's a quote from Coach Clark. I'm not interested in what people don't do well anymore. Truly, leaders should always put some work plans together to acquire skills in areas where there is a deficiency, but ultimately you have to build on an approach or blueprint for individuals based on what their strengths are. Because if you work on their strengths, they're going to be more confident and they're going to have success, and then you sprinkle in working on their weaknesses, and they'll have more confidence to work on their weaknesses because they have more confidence altogether. For example, in February of 2008, Starbucks closed down every Starbucks in, in the world to focus on three hours of training on how to properly serve their product. Language matters. How you address your players matters. Verbal praise Verbal praise can directly impact the sense of why or a deeper purpose for everybody on a team. 
So be much more positive than you are negative, and you need to save your negative comments for when it is really, really necessary and appropriate and when you think they're going to be most effective. The very last thing that great teams do, they avoid the pitfalls of success. Great teams maintain success by not falling victims to the pitfalls of human nature. Overcoming common temptations, be resistance to, resistant to complacency, and to nurture a culture that wins consistently. In order to win consistently, you have to be uncommon. It takes a lot of character. Winning takes talent. To repeat takes character. What are some things you need to be aware of and be ready to avoid? First of all, the bullseye. You win, you become everybody's red-letter date. Complacency. Being lazy. Hey, we were here before. We're just going to get this done because that's who we are. The fear of breaking the street. you got to have your teams play loose and, and, and be active and, and not be afraid of failure. You still have to play with that aggressiveness on when you were making the climb. And, of course, turnover. You have to be aware of turnover and, and being ready to fill in those cracks when there is turnover within your program. Florida softball coach Tim Walton, I love this quote from him. How you respond to a mistake is more important than the mistake itself. I think that's a great attitude that we need to have as coaches. Don't be interested in your players' mistakes because you you know they're going to make them. How do they respond to the mistake? That's the most important thing. Sometimes winning brings obstacles, and you've got to be ready to over. They're great obstacles to overcome, but you've got to be ready to overcome those obstacles. Think about this. You want to build a great program, and I, and and uh, Jaeger finishes the book on this thought. Essentially, he spends about two or three pages talking about Southwest Airlines. Southwest made a, a decision years and years ago that they were going to emphasize their business in these three priorities. Employees first, customers second, shareholders third. And here's the thought process behind that. They're gonna invest in their employees because if their employees are happy with their job and they feel good about their job, you know what their employees are gonna do? They're gonna treat the customers well. And if the customers are treated well, the customers are gonna continue to come back to Southwest Airlines, which is going to put money into the shareholders' pockets. But if we don't take care of our employees, they're gonna treat the customers po poorly, which means the shareholders aren't going to make as much money. And oftentimes, business is reversed in that in that order. We're, we're so worried about the shareholders that we are we're gonna take care of the customers first at the expense of our employees. It should be the other way around. Take care of your employees first. They'll take care of the customers, which will then take care of the profits. So if you take care of your team, if you take care of your team and that's your focus is your team and your team first, they're gonna go out there and they're going to take care of the opponents, which are the customers. And if they take care of the opponents, you're going to have the victories at the end of the day. Last thing I want to leave this with here. Let's think about this. A couple statistics for you. 91% of the top 1,200 senior executives of the world's highest performing companies reported that culture is an important component of success and sustenance. Another study found that 81% of corporate executives agreed that an organization without a winning culture will never surpass mediocrity. If you don't have the culture in place, if you're not building that great team pillar by pillar, step by step, you're not going to achieve the success that you want to achieve. And that is the ultimate message of Don Yeager's great teams. I've just hit the highlights throughout the book over these last four weeks. 
I, I encourage you to go out and buy it and get your own interpretations from the book because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't hit even close to everything that you could hit in this in this really, really terrific book. Don Yeager's great team. So coaches, I hope you've enjoyed this four-part series on team building and building great teams. Again, I encourage you to go out and purchase this book. It's a really, really good one. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.